Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praises his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or pay us according to our iniquities. For as a high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish in the field and they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. Its place is remembered no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and the kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Psalm 103. How we do, Gateway? You guys doing all right? You got your outlines, go ahead and grab it. We're going to get to Psalm chapter 103. Uh, we've been in this Psalm series mixtape now six weeks. Uh, been a great series over the summer. We've looked at Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 40, Psalm 46, uh, Psalm 51 last week, and today Psalm 103. And so we're going to dive in together. If you've got your Bibles, Bible apps, uh, you'll see at the top of this psalm it says, A Psalm of David. Okay? It just simply says a Psalm of David. Most Psalms kind of give you some context as to what was going on in the writer's life. And this, it just says a Psalm of David. No context, no backstory, nothing specifically tied to what was going on in the events in David's life in that moment. Psalm 103 is is simply penned a Psalm of David. And probably what we probably can gather is it's a later psalm, and so we probably can assume that this was in the shepherd king's life toward the end of his life as he's clinging to and reflecting on the promises, the favor, the goodness of God in his life. And so that's where we find ourselves. And, and, and Charles Spurgeon said that this psalm can be applied to every situation of our lives, that everything's in here. It's kind of a Swiss army knife, one, sits, one size fits all for all of us. Uh, it communicates the gospel message. Everything is in here as it relates to God's heart for David, God's heart for us, God's heart for you. And there's too much to drill down, Charles Purgeon said, that a thousand pens couldn't write this story. And so I will be uh, incomplete today as we kind of dig out the next 35 minutes to look at Psalm 103, but I will do my best to kind of dig out some things and unpack part of this powerful psalm together. So if you got your notes, go ahead and grab them. The first point is this, all right? David begins with an eruption of praise. He just begins big time, full out, fired up, excited about who God is and what he's done. This is David's heart, the first six verses of Psalm 103. It says, praise the Lord. Just underline and circle some things that stick out all along this psalm, right? I'm not going to tell you that a whole bunch of times, but just, just do that. It says this, praise the Lord, my soul. 
All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your strength is renewed like the eagles. Verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. David begins where we all should begin. He begins where we should begin as soon as we get up in the morning and our feet hit the ground. He begins where we should all begin when we open up our our Bibles and start in this 2020 challenge. We should begin uh, our, our time with God the way David begins his time with God, with praise. Psalm 103 is the Mount Everest of praise. The word praise is mentioned seven times in 22 verses. David is reflecting on his history with God on God's faithfulness and his goodness to him. And here's the reality. Did everything go David's way? No. Did everything that David prayed for come true or God answer the way that he wanted it to? Absolutely not. Did David always do the right things? Far from it. But David is recognizing who God is and what he's done in his life, and he erupts with praise. We've all been in places or events where there's been an eruption of praise. And maybe it's the very beginning when our band finally comes out at this concert, or maybe it's in a sporting event. Uh, I, I got to go to the Royals a couple weeks ago, and the Royals were playing the Astros. And the Astros had like crushed the Royals like 13 to 4, 13 to 5. It was the third game in the series. And, uh, and we're there. It's the bottom of the fourth inning, and it's 0 0. And Kendris Morales gets up, and he just, he just he cranks this ball. And as soon as, as soon as he hit it, you just knew that this thing had potential. And everybody rose to their feet, and we watched this ball sail over the fence, and like 40,000 people just erupted in celebration. And, and, and the reality is, probably you've been to many sporting events, or I've been to many sporting events where something's happened, or your favorite team scored, or they hit a shot, or they, 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 they scored a bucket at the game-winning, you know, whatever that looks like. I, I've, been in, I've been in sporting events myself where those things have happened, and it's been amazing. And it's just this ultimate expression where you just arms up, boom. I mean, you don't think about it. You, you start yelling and cheering. That's just the reality. It's just, it's, just, it's just instinctive when you see something, when you recognize something for what it is. And when, you, when you're in the presence of something that's great, our, our response is simple. It's praise. We've done weddings, and uh, we've, we've told their story, and we've done the vows, and we've had them kiss, and, and then I introduce them. And, and when I say, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs., and everybody goes crazy. I've been with friends who are having babies, or I've, I've, I've been with my wife, and we had a child, and then we go out into the delivery room where everybody else is in the waiting room, and we tell them that we have a little boy or a little girl or whatever it is, or they tell, everybody erupts with, with celebration. All those moments, those celebration moments are, are awesome. But David, with laser-like focus, gives us a real clear understanding of what is most important in his life. He recognizes God. Psalm 103, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. It's directed at God. He's had lots of great moments, lots of great uh, opportunities. He's seen God do a lot of amazing things, and, and he's had a lot of blessings in his life, but it is only and always, no second place, praise the Lord. David didn't just praise him with song or with words or with his thoughts or with his actions. He says he praised him with his soul, okay? That means with everything, everything that's within him. You, it, sometimes we kind of forget. We think that, you know, we're, we're like a body with a soul. We're a soul with a body. And David said, I praise God with my soul. 
Verse 2, it says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And let me just say, this statement is very convicting, okay? He says, praise the Lord, my soul, second time. And then he says, and forget not all his benefits. You know why that's convicting? Because we forget. All the time we forget. We just do. We forget what God has done. We forget what Jesus has saved us from. We forget how God's protected us. We forget the answered prayer. We forget what, that, that, that God lives in us through the Holy Spirit. We forget all the powerful ways that he, he shows himself through the scriptures. We forget that he who is in us is greater than he that's in the world. We forget the gift that God gave us in one another, the church. We forget his promises. We forget his faithfulness. We forget that he's working in our lives. We forget that he's not done yet. We forget that he's greater than anything that we're going to go through today, tomorrow, or the next. In our marriage, with our families, with our kids, no matter what this world throws at us, no matter what the enemy's going to happen, he is greater, and we forget that. And we have an enemy that wants you to forget that. He wants you just to focus in on the big things, the, the, the broken things, the things that are, that are messing with you, the things that are stirring you up, keeping you up at night. Focus on those things instead of all of his benefits. And it's crazy because it happens so quickly, right? I mean, things are good, you and God are good, and then something happens, somebody does something, you've prayed a prayer, and like five minutes later, like he's not answered it the way that you wanted to, and like we just lose sight. It's like this kind of amnesia. It's the worst kind of amnesia. It's spiritual amnesia. And we go from east to west. We start wondering if God really loves us, if he really cares for us, if, if he really exists. And here's the deal. Nothing wrong with frustration or sadness or grief. God's okay with that. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we act like little kids spiritually and we throw ourselves on the floor and we start pouting because life is hard, the world is difficult, and we're not getting what we want when we want it. Spiritual amnesia. David says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Write down this word, please. It's the word remember. The word remember. The Psalms are full of moments where we say, hey, remember what God has done. Remember what he's done for you. Remember what he's brought you through. Remember his faithfulness. Remember what he's done in your life. Don't ever forget his reckless love and pursuit of you. Remember that the Father gave his one and only for you, for me. David says, remember. What do we need to remember? He says this in verses three through six. Here it is. Here's what we need to remember. The God who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases and redeems us from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord's works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He gives us six concrete examples so that we might remember how good God is and what he's done and what he promises to do in our lives. The first one is this. He promises we should praise him for. Don't ever forget the God who forgives all of our sin. He forgives all of our sins. God knows all of your sin, okay? Just make it clear. He knows every bit of it. He knows the stuff that you know that no one else knows. He knows the stuff that you would never tell anybody. He knows everything. You are an open book to him. He knows. He knows all those dark times in your life. 
He knows everything that you've ever said. He knows everything that you've ever done. He knows everything that you promised and that you didn't fulfill. He knows the stuff that he called you to do and you didn't do. He knows the stuff when you should have stood and you didn't. He knows all of our sins. You go back to the dark times in your life, middle school, high school, college, prom night, homecoming, spring break, the 80s, those count. The 80s count, right? The 90s, they count too, right? He knows about two years ago, and he knows about two months ago, and he knows about two weeks ago, and he knows about Friday. Whatever it is that that you've been stuck in, God knows all of those things. And yet, David says, he forgives us of all of our sin. All of it. Number two, he says, remember, David says, remember that he promises to heal all of of our diseases. Now, before you think I'm going like all health and wealth, you know, if you just love Jesus, then you'll be healthy, wealthy, and happy. That's not the case. There's nowhere in scripture unless you take a verse or a passage out of context. It's just not there. But what's interesting is that throughout the Bible, you will see that God healed people all the time. You'll see in the Gospels where Jesus is interacting, where he's put on flesh and he's coming into the world, you'll see Jesus heal people with, with a word or a touch. There are times where he didn't even have to see them and said, hey, listen, they're going to be taken care of. They're, gonna, they're already healed, so you just go home. And there have been moments in my life, and I've been a Christian now for 27 years. I've been a minister for 22 years uh, full time. And I have probably on, th- on both hands, maybe on three hands, where there have been people who we just prayed and we asked God for healing physically in their marriage through their addiction. And I'm telling you, they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, Hey, listen, we just did a scan, and I don't want to tell you, it's gone. Somebody's marriage that was in shambles, and we thought, you know what, they might as well. The world said, hey, just give up and quit. And God turned it around like that. People with addictions who've been battling for 20, 30, 40 years, all of a sudden we just laid hands and prayed over them, and you know what? They're walking sobriety. It's happening, and it, and it happens, and it's been absolutely amazing. But I will also tell you that there are times, many, 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 many times, where I've prayed for people that I love and care about, for the cancer to go away, for their marriage to come out of this, this downward spiral, for this addiction to, to, to not have its grip on them. And you know what? God didn't answer the way I wanted it to. As you look through Scripture, especially in the Gospels, you will see that Jesus healed people, but there were plenty of times where Jesus didn't heal everybody physically. What's interesting, though, is that there are also times where, where they wanted a physical healing, and God actually said, your sins are forgiven. Well, we didn't, we didn't actually come for that. It's like, no, no, no. I want you to understand that your greatest sickness, your greatest disease, the greatest cancer is not your physical ailments, but sin. God always, ultimately heals us for our sins. And, and sometimes, even in this life, He will heal us of the physical ailments that we go through. But if he doesn't heal us in this life, here's what he promises. Look at me for a second. He promises to ultimately forgive us and and heal us of all things in the second coming. We will all be new, new bodies. Those who can't walk will be able to walk. The pain will go away. We, We read this last week, Revelation 21. It says there will be no more mourning, no more pain, no more crying, none of that, no more death will all be made new. Our God is a healer, and, he, and David says, don't, don't forget that, that, that he's a healer. 
Number three, don't forget to praise God who redeems your life from the pit. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Psalm 40. The very beginning of the psalm says, I, I, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he, and he heard my cry. He reached down, and he pulled me from the pit. We have a God that is always willing, regardless of what pit we find ourselves in, to stick out his hand and say, hey, I'm here for you. I want to help you. I want to pull you out of this pit. Beth Moore talks about the idea that, that there are three ways that people end up in a pit. You either fall into a pit, you get pushed into a pit, or you jump into a pit. And that's probably all of us in some way or another. We've all found ourselves in a pit at one time or another. And David's saying, regardless of how you got there, God can rescue you from that pit. And he can redeem your life from the pit. The word redeem, if you're not sure what that word means, it simply means to buy back, to pay for, to atone for our sins. Which means you don't have to pay for them because Jesus has already paid for them. The word redeem also means that you've been delivered been rescued, that God is going to restore all the broken pieces of your life. I've had some meetings this week, some conversations with people, or I've just cried with people, honestly, because the brokenness in their lives, that God will redeem, God will restore, God will write a new chapter, and God is working. Don't forget that our God is a redeemer. Number four, David also says that God, and here praise him, because God crowns you with love and compassion. The word crown signifies royalty, that the God we serve is a ruling and reigning king. And we, if we know him, we're his sons and daughters. We are his children. We are heirs to the throne. David wants us to understand that God loves us and has compassion toward us. God, God cheerfully and joyfully and irrepressibly, abundantly pours out his love and his compassion on us. It's what we sang about in those first two songs. He's mighty to save. His love never fails, never gives up, never. It's what great parents do with their kids. They're demonstrative in their communication of love to their kids, and they're demonstrative with their compassion when their kids are hurting or even when they've messed up. This is what God does for us because he is a perfect heavenly father who loves us and he crowns us with love compassion. Number five, don't forget that God satisfies your desires with good things. He's the God that, that, that satisfies us. He's the good shepherd that, that, that we talked about in Psalm 23 that protects his sheep, that he provides for his sheep. He takes them to green pastures. James says that he's the God who blesses us with every perfect gift from above. David also says in Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And here's the reality. God is not some like cosmic vending machine that we just go up and we ask what we want and we, we punch the button and it comes out. He's not this genie in a bottle that we get unlimited wishes. We get whatever we want, whenever we want it. That's not the case at all. But he gives us what we need. We may not get everything that we want. We may not get everything that we think that we need. But God will always provide everything that we need. He will satisfy us with good things. I love listening to Dave Ramsey. Uh, if you've been in financial peace over these last couple weeks uh, with our church, you, you know this. and You've heard him talk. And, and if you've ever listened to podcasts or a show, you know, when people will call up and they'll say, Hey, Dave, how's it going? Here's what he always says. Better than I deserve. See, Dave, Dave Ramsey gets this. God provides, he satisfies us with good things. The writer of Psalms 
David here says God is going to take care of all of our needs and satisfy us with good things. Nothing in this world would satisfy you or me. Nothing. But God will satisfy us. Number six, this is, this is important, this is powerful. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, okay? This is another statement that might mean now and in the second coming, okay? It may not just be right now in your life. It might be, not be the moment that something happens to me, to you. You've, we've all seen stuff this week. I mean, gunfire everywhere. We've seen stuff in France. We've seen stuff in Texas. We've seen stuff a few weeks ago in Orlando. All this injustice, all these things that are happening. It says here, David says this, hey, I want you to understand that. The Lord will be righteous, and he will provide justice in every situation. He will. And if you've ever been treated unjustly, and again, these meetings this week, I don't want to go through the stories. I, I, I just won't do that. But I just sat, and my heart just broke as I listened to people pouring out their story of what's happened to them, about things that people have done to them. And if you're wondering wrestling, wanting to take revenge because of something that's been done to you, something that's been done to your children, something that's been done to your reputation or even to you in your job, I need you to know this. Two words. You might want to write these down. Just wait. He will trust him. Just wait. God will trust him. David had this happen a ton of times in his life where there were people trying to destroy his reputation, trying to take him from the throne, trying to kill his life. And here he is on the backside of his life saying, hey, listen, God's going to take care of it. Deuteronomy 32, 35, and also the verse I'm going to show you now, Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. Look at me for a second. Here's, here's what our job is. Our job, you and I, our job when we've been offended, when we've been mistreated, when we've been unjustly oppressed, whatever that looks like we've been sinned against, our job is to give it over to God. With his strength, God, I can't, I don't, I can't do this on my own. With your strength, I, I am choosing to forgive them. I'm choosing to release them from what they did to me, the pain that happened, and I'm giving that over to you. And here's what God's job is, okay, to then deal with them. Because what happens oftentimes is what we do is we hold on to things and we bitter stuff and we create resentment and, and, and all, these, all these things. And we end up putting ourselves in our own prison, chained to our past, chained to what's been done to us. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I love you and I want you to be whole and, and I'm, I'm here to forgive you and I'm here to redeem your life. And I'm going to take care of that for you. I am going to invoke my vengeance on them. Two ways that people who have hurt you will either pay, will pay for their sin. Either they'll come to know Jesus and the cross will have taken care of it or one day, ultimately, forever, they will pay for their, their mistakes, their sins, ultimately, apart from God for all eternity. That's how it works. God is righteous and his justice will roll like a river. Gateway. God is calling us to remember He's calling us to remember, never forget that God loves you, that God forgives you of all your sins. He heals you of all your diseases. He redeems you from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He gives us good things, good desires, satisfies us, and will rightly take care of the injustice in our lives and the injustice in our world. Don't forget all the ways that God has blessed you. Don't forget, always remember all 
of his benefits. Eugene Peterson said this of Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is not the doctrine of salvation. It is the experience of salvation. It's not how it works. It's how salvation feels. When we read this passage and we understand what David has gone through in his relationship with God and all that God has done for him, and when we recognize that and what God has done for us, it is the expression of the human heart that's been transformed by the love of God through the life of Jesus. Remember what God's done in your life. Don't forget all of his benefits. In your notes, David unpacks the heart of God toward us. If you're wondering, and here's the question, just, I just want you to be honest. I'm going to ask you a hard question. Uh, if you've ever felt this way, if, if there is a God and God had a thought about you, he probably was either angry, frustrated, he didn't like you, he hated you. He, he, if, he's, if he's there, his heart is not good toward you. If you've ever felt that way, raise your hand, okay? My hand is up. Thank you very much, okay? Here's the reality. That's most of us. And here's what's interesting. David clarifies this for us in Scripture. He says this in verses 8 through 12. Here's what it says. I just want this to wash over you. And maybe your hand was up and you go, you know what, I don't believe that anymore. Maybe your hand is up and you go, I think I still believe it. Here's what he says. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. David doesn't water down God's truth or his love or his grace in this moment. He clarifies it for us. Just look at this passage, underline, circle some things. It says this, the Lord is compassionate and he's gracious. Okay? He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not accuse. He won't harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And as far as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. If you struggle to think that God couldn't forgive you, he doesn't like you, he doesn't love you, he couldn't, he couldn't possibly care about you, it's all right here in this passage. And if you've never accepted Jesus and became a Christ follower, this is what God thinks about you. It's what he thinks about you. And if you're a Christ follower who struggles and you go, you know what, I just don't know, it's all right here compassion, gracious, slow to anger, abounding love. He doesn't treat you as your, as your sins deserve. And aren't we grateful people? His love is wider and longer and deeper and higher than we could fully comprehend. David's got his hands around, around God's heart. He's understanding again how much God loves him and how much God loves us. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Tony Campolo. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a second. But he's in Hawaii for this conference. This is a story that, it's, it's a true story that actually happened. And when I heard the story, when I, gotta, I gotta share the story. It's a story of a woman named Agnes. Agnes is a prostitute in Hawaii, in Honolulu. And, and Tony has gotten there and he's gonna speak at this conference and he's at this diner really late at night, got in really late from the, from the airport and, uh, and he's sitting there in the diner and Tony is this nationally known pastor, sociologist. He's been a spiritual director for, for several presidents of the, of, of the United States and, and as he wanders into this diner, he overhears Agnes and her friends talking and Agnes's birthday is, is the next day. And as he's kind of just eavesdropping and listening, he hears her say that I've, she's, Agnes says, I've never had a birthday party. 
Well, the group of prostitutes go back out to work, and Tony's sitting there, and he, he walks up to the, the guy behind the, the counter and says, hey, um, is it okay if I come back tomorrow night and let's throw a party for, for Agnes for her birthday? And he said, well, there's only one condition. My wife has to do the cooking, and I will make the cake. He's like, deal. So these are his words. At 2.30 the next morning, I walked back into the diner. I, I had picked up some crepe paper directions, uh, decorations at the store and made this huge sign that said, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And, and, and the women who did the cooking must have gotten the word out because, uh, because by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu is in this place, is in this diner. It is wall-to-wall prostitutes and me, It's what he said. 3.30 in the morning, the diner door swung open and in came Agnes and her friends and I had everybody ready and when she came through the door, we all screamed, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And, she, and he said, Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted. Her mouth fell open. Her, knee, her, her, her knees began to buckle, and when we began to sing happy birthday at Agnes, her eyes began to water, and when we brought out the cake, she just fell apart. Harry gruffled and mumbled and said, blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, if you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles for you. Finally, she blew out the candles, wiping her eyes. Cutting the cake took even longer. Cut the cake, Agnes. We, just, we all want some cake. She, she looked and she said, hey, is it okay if we don't cut the cake right now? And Harry said, well, take the cake home if you want. And she said, can I? And she looked at Tony and Tony said, absolutely. She said, I would love for my kids to see this cake. And so she grabs the cake and she carries the cake out the door like it's the holy grail. We stood there motionless, a stunned silence in the place, not knowing what else to do. Tony said, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? And looking back now, it seems like the strangest thing for a preacher uh, to lead a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning, but it just felt like the right thing to do. He said, I prayed for Agnes, for her salvation, for God to change her life, and that God would be good to her. And when I finished praying, Tony said, Harry leaned over the counter and said with a trace of irritation in his voice, hey, you never told me that you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? Tony said, in just one of those moments where the right words came out, he said, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment and said, no, you don't. That church doesn't exist. If that church existed, I'd join that church. Friends, look at me. That is the kind of church that God came, that he sent his son to come to create for us. A place where God throws parties for people who come home. A place where the Father longs for people, regardless of what they've been doing, regardless of how messed up their life is, if they could just come in and experience this eruption of praise by God's people and get a glimpse of God's love for them, that they could be changed forever. When Jesus talks about God in the Gospels 190 times, he calls God Father. God wants to be a father. He's a perfect heavenly father. He wants to be your father. He longs to, to be in a relationship with you. He longs to be in a relationship with me. And he wants us to be his children. And he's a perfect heavenly father. 
And regardless of what your dad looks like, awesome, imperfect, okay, good, gone, you don't know his name. You have a a perfect heavenly father who loves you and has demonstrated his love for you in sending Jesus. John had one of these moments like David had where he erupted with praise just recognizing who God is. He says this in 1 John 3, 1. He says, how great is the love of the Father that's lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Exclamation point, okay? Now, here's the deal. Sometimes we read that and we may see that and we go, yeah, how great is the love the Father's lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. No, exclamation point. There's passion, inflection, and emotion in this. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished. The word lavish just means he's given us a whole lot. He's given all that he has. He's given everything so that we could know his love, exclamation point. And if we still don't get it, he's got six more words, and then it says this, and, and this is what we are, exclamation point. David wants us to understand how great the love the Father has lavished on us, lavished on you, that we could be called. We don't have to beg him for it, but we've, 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 we've been given the right because of what Jesus did on the cross to be adopted in his family, to be a son or daughter of the one true God. He wants us to know that David... David wants us to know that we have a a perfect heavenly father who loves imperfect people. And he says this in Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Think about that for a minute. As far as the east is from the west, it is ultimately, infinitely, in the, in, the, in the opposite direction of where we are. We no longer carry these. They don't have to isolate us. They don't have to, to drag us down. We don't have to carry them anymore. They don't have to be on our resume ever again. It's gone for good. The grace of God has stirred David's heart, and he wants everybody to know it. He's overwhelmed. He's grateful. He's undone over a God that loves us in spite of us. That's his love for you. And his only response is to erupt in worship. A couple questions and we'll wrap up. If you're a Christ follower, let me ask you a couple questions. The first question is this. As you reflect on who God is and on what he's done, is praise erupting from your soul? Is it? Or do you have spiritual amnesia? Have you forgotten all of his benefits? Psalm 103 is a reminder to remember, to reflect, to celebrate, to recognize all that God has done, all that he is, and all that he promises to do in our lives. And if you're not a Christ follower today, a couple questions for you. What if everything that you heard about God was actually wrong? What if you've heard some, 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 some ugly truth or some ugly uh, false truths from, from hateful, religious, narrow-minded Christians who just pick out the hard parts and don't catch the, the, the grace parts and they've, they've, they've totally misrepresented who Jesus was. Pastors who've done the same thing, churches who've done the same thing. What if the picture that David has given us today is the actual picture of who God is and what he thinks about you? And also what he wants to do 
in your life. What do you do with that? Here's our hope, that you would do what David did. That you would lay everything down, that you would run to him, that you would recognize him, that you would praise him, that you would celebrate him for who he is, what he's done, and what he promises to do. That you would make Jesus Lord, leader of your life, savior, forgiver of all your sins, and constant companion where he walks with you. He promises to never, ever, ever, ever leave you, always faithful to you. Maybe for you it's time. Maybe you've been wrestling with this, you've been thinking about it, you've had all these questions, and maybe for you it's become clear. Maybe God has opened up the door or turned on the light for you, and maybe it's your time. As I mentioned earlier today, in two weeks, you have an opportunity to respond to God's love. To, to go public with your faith, to acknowledge that, you know what, you need him because here's the reality, we all need him. Saying, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, he's the son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. I am all in, all my chips are in. If that's true, and that's who God is, and that's what he promises to do, I'm in. Is that you? If that's you, we'd love to know that. Love to talk with you. Talk with the person that, that you brought. Talk to one of our staff. Talk to a ministry team. To grab somebody and ask somebody some questions about our baptism service in two weeks. Put it on a connect card. Hey, I am interested. I am in. I want to get baptized. A couple things about baptism. Sometimes we kind of think, well, you know what? If I, I then I gotta, I gotta like do all of this stuff now. I gotta stop doing this. I gotta start doing this. Get my life right, and then I can get baptized. No. No. If you had to get your life right to get baptized, there's not a person in here that would ever get baptized because the reality is we can't get our lives right on our own. We need God to do so. It's just coming to God as we are, recognizing that we need him. We want his forgiveness. We need his grace. and We're desperate for his love. If that's you, we want to talk to you about that. We're going to close out this series and this service by doing what David asked us to do which is to praise and worship a God who did everything for us. And so I'm going to pray. Why don't you go ahead and stand where you are, and uh, I'm going to pray. And let's just worship. I don't know the songs off the top of my head, what they're going to be, but would you just sing today with full hearts? Would you sing today recognizing a God who has done all of this for you? And we're going to refuse to forget all of his benefits. We're going to recognize those things for what they are, for who he is, for what he's done. All right, can we do that? All right, let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to connect with you in worship. I ask, Lord, that you would allow us just now to, to realign our hearts if that's what needs to be done. And God, for those of us who are coming to the, the realization of who you are, that the pictures of who you are are now coming true because of David's words, God, would you just do a work in our lives? God, we celebrate you today. We celebrate a God who forgives all of our sins, who heals all of our diseases, who crowns us with love and compassion, who redeems us from the pit. God of righteousness and justice, who will always take care of the oppressed. God, we worship you today. God, as we wrap up the psalm, the psalm series, Lord, I ask that you would help us just to keep our eyes, that we would, we would have our gaze on who you are, 
that we wouldn't get lost, that we wouldn't forget, that we wouldn't allow the enemy to distort the good things that you've done. Lord, we worship you today for who you are. We love you. We celebrate you. And nothing, nothing is close. Nothing compares to what you've done for us and for the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's worship God together.